How now, my Lord Chief Justice, whither away? How doth the king? Exceeding well, his cares are now all ended. I hope not dead. He's walked the way of nature, and to our purposes he lives no more. I would his majesty had called me with him. The service that I truly did his life hath left me open to all injuries. Indeed, I think the young king loves you not. I know he doth not, and do arm myself to welcome the condition of the time which cannot look more hideously upon me than I have drawn it in my fantasy. Here come the heavy issue of dead Harry. Oh, that the living Harry had the temper of he, the worst of these three gentlemen. How many nobles then should hold their places that must strike sail to spirits of vile sort? Oh God, I fear all will be overturned. Good morrow, Cousin Warwick. Good morrow. Good morrow, cousin. We meet like men that had forgot to speak. <laughs> we do remember, but our argument is all too heavy to admit much talk. Well, peace be with him that made us heavy. Peace be with us, lest we be heavier. Oh, good, my lord. You have lost a friend indeed. And I dare swear you borrow not that face of seeming sorrow. It is sure your own. Though no man be assured what grace to find, you stand in coldest expectation. I am the sorrier, would twere otherwise. Well, you must now speak Sir John Falstaff fair, which swims against your stream of quality. Sweet princes, what I did, I did in honor led by the impartial conduct of my soul. And never shall you see that I will beg a ragged and forestalled remission. If truth and upright innocency fail me, I'll to the king, my master that is dead, and tell him who hath sent me after him. Here comes the prince. Good morrow, and God save your majesty. This new and gorgeous garment, majesty, sits not so easy on me as you think. Brothers, you mix your sadness with some fear. This is the English, not the Turkish court, not Amurath, and Amurath succeeds, but Harry, Harry, yet be sad, good brothers, for by my faith it very well becomes you. Sorrow so royally in you appears that I will deeply put the fashion on and wear it in my heart. Why then be sad, but entertain no more of it, good brothers, than a joint burden laid upon us all? For me, by heaven, I bid you be assured, I'll be your father and your brother too. Let me but bear your love. I'll bear your cares, yet weep that Harry's dead, and so will I. But Harry lives, that shall convert those tears by number into hours of happiness. We hope no otherwise from your majesty. You all look strangely on me. And you most. You are, I think, assured I love you not? I am assured, if I be measured rightly. Your majesty hath no just cause to hate me. No? How might a prince of my great hopes forget so great indignities you laid upon me? What rate, rebuke, and roughly send to prison the immediate heir of England? Was this 
easy? May this be washed and levy and forgotten? I then did use the person of your father. The image of his power lay then in me, and in the administration of his law, whilst I was busy for the commonwealth, your highness pleased to forget my place. The majesty and power of law and justice, the image of the king whom I presented and struck me in my very seat of judgment, wherein as an offender to your father, I gave bold way to my authority and did commit you. If the deed were ill, be you contented, wearing now the garland, to have a son set your decrees at naught, to pluck down justice from your awful bench, to trip the course of law and blunt the sword that guards the peace and safety of your person, Nay, more, to spurn at your most royal image and mock your workings in a second body? Question your royal thoughts. Make the case yours. Be now the father and propose a son. Hear your own dignity so much profaned. See your most dreadful laws so loosely slighted. Behold yourself by, so by a son disdained. And then imagine me taking your part and in your power soft silencing your son. After this cold considerance, sentence me. And as you are a king, speak in your state what I have done that misbecame my place, my person, or my liege's sovereignty. You are right, Justice, and you weigh this well. Therefore, still bear the balance and the sword, and I do wish your honors may increase till you do live to see a son of mine offend you and obey you as I did. So shall I live to speak my father's words. Happy am I that have a man so bold that dares do justice on my proper son, and no less happy having such a son that would deliver up his greatness so into the hands of justice. You did commit me, for which I do commit into your hand the unstained sword that you have used to bear with this remembrance, that you use the same with the like bold, just, and impartial spirit as you have done against me. There is my hand. You shall be as a father to my youth. My voice shall sound as you do prompt mine ear, and I will stoop and humble my intents to your well-practiced wise directions. And princes all, believe me, I beseech you. My father is gone wild into his grave, for in his tomb lie my affections, and with his spirit sadly I survive to mock the expectations of the world to frustrate prophecies, and to raise out rotten opinion who hath writ me down after my seeming. The tide of blood in me hath proudly flowed in vanity till now. How doth it turn and ebb back to the sea where it shall mingle with the state of floods and flow henceforth in 
formal majesty. Now call we our high court of parliament, and let us choose such limbs of noble counsel that the great body of our state may go in equal rank with the best governed nation, that war or peace or both at once may be as things acquainted and familiar to us, in which you, Father, shall have foremost hand. Our coronation done, we will assight, as I before remembered, all our state, and God, consigning to my good intents, no prince nor peer shall have just cause to say, God shorten Harry's happy life one day.